Welcome back to the Mel K Show. As always, your favorite guest and mine, Matt Arette, is back with us with a lesson that we need to learn because we know so little about history, especially geopolitical history. So Matt comes on to teach me things that I don't know that put together pieces of the puzzle that have been uh, largely ignored or left out. So thank you for joining me, Matt Arette. Oh, thank you for having me <laughs> oh, back somebody on. Somebody sent me an email that I say your name wrong. They say it's Arette. I say I can say it however I want to say it. <laughs> I like the diversity. I, I get bored with the same the same Eret all the time. Eret <laughs> is cool. That, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> I say everything wrong. It's somebody that must not. They sent me an email like you have to ask him how to say his name. I say every name. I, I'm just a New Yorker. I have I, I you know that's I, that's how I pronounce stuff. Well, you 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 destroyed any ambiguity for other people. So when they try to pronounce your name, you can't really screw up K. So it's no, good. No, no, <laughs> you can't. You can't. Um, so um, let's let's go for it, Professor. Where are we headed? Okay, yeah. And by the way, I, I noticed that there's some smoke. My my wife brought in a a little a little incense stick right before the interview, and I didn't think it was going to be picked up on the camera. So if anyone's concerned that I've got a fire in my my library here, don't worry about it. It's just incense. It's all good. No, people would probably say that it was some kind of a being that went by. People tell me that sometimes they say they see orbs go by. So we'll just okay, it right. was a mystery. <laughs> okay, this case will will demystify. <laughs> that possibility. Actually, I had to remove a. Uh, I had a little owl, a uh, little owl statue in my my back uh, thing for a while. I bought it at a garage sale for like three bucks. Cute little owl, you know. Yeah. I was I always had this like idea of the wise old owl. So, but then right, of right. course, you know, when you're in our our world, oh, I know. Uh, uh, you don't associated. have to tell me. Well, I, I know I exactly what they thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started. <laughs> I never had so many accusations that I was like a Moloch worshiper, and I was like, ah, oh, no. <laughs> so uh, now I retire. <laughs> Listen, sometimes I point in in uh, in in when I'm doing my presentations and all this pinky will go out and they'll be like, oh, she's, she's giving hail Satan. It's like, no, I have I have a pinky thing when I point. Sometimes it goes that. And then, yeah. you know, then they, they like grab it on a screenshot. No, it's ridiculous. Who cares? Uh, let's get into what matters, which is uh, digging into uh, history to make sense of what's today, which is your specialty. So where are we headed? I try to do yeah so yeah let's do that i i actually um i'm gonna i'm gonna share some things i was i was pulling together a little bit i i do a weekly show on uh called breaking history every wednesday uh so i i did a little a little weaving together of, of some of the dynamics shaping something which could have been or at least some people were thinking might be another war front opening up as if we didn't have a enough hot spots already that could degenerate into a third third world war with with the uh the military industrial complex, you know, provoking China on the Pacific and Taiwan, uh, Ukraine obviously has been a debacle for a while. We've got uh, stuff going on with uh, Venezuela and their neighbors. We also have uh, obviously the big one, uh, uh, Israel and Gaza, which in all of these points on top of the the, the banking meltdown that we're living through. Right. Um, you could easily see a very quick accelerated decline towards uh, a dark age uh, with a, a chain of reactions that could easily result as well by by military pacts, military contracts, um, mutual defense treaties being activated that could turn something that might seem negligible or relatively small localized into a, a global conflagration as we had with World War One. You know, like nobody thought when Archduke Ferdinand was getting killed by the black hand, a Serbian terrorist cell manipulated by, by Western intelligence. Nobody, nobody thought that that within a matter of a month or so was going to be, become everybody killing everybody in a global war. Nobody thought that. 
Um, well, I mean, maybe those who manipulated. Right. I was going to say, well, the people that wanted it to end that way and finance both sides of it probably thought that. There were those. There were but those. Not but everyone else. The vast majority. Right. They couldn't have imagined. So here we are. Um, what was it? D January 17th. Another front opened up. And I'll, I mean, I prepared a few images just to like carry this forward a little bit to help people um, follow the storyline, because uh, I think it's there's a good insight into how reality is actually shaped and how how uh, secret positive dynamics are also negotiated behind the scenes, as well as bad things. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to share a couple of images here. Um, all right. Can you see my uh, my screen? Yes, I see it. Okay. Here we go. So on the, forgetting all of a sudden, if it was the 16th or the 17th of January, but all of a sudden Iran strikes a certain region in Pakistan. Uh, that's a quick little image there on the bottom right-hand side is a quick little uh, image by the, it was put together by the cradle. So a few days earlier, Iran oh. had struck some points in Idlib. That's a uh, ISIS defense hub right right next to, to Turkey, the northern province of Idlib. Also, that's, that's that's a zone where you've had uh, Anglo-American intelligence operations stationed very carefully protecting a lot of their ISIS assets, also Kurds that are mixed in. Unfortunately, the Kurds are being, are being played with um, that have been used as weapons to destabilize and attack Syria since 2011, really, even before that. But really, we, we know the story. So we had a massive um, bombing of a certain hub there. We had also an Erbil where there was a... Uh, an Israeli defense spy station, as well as American military bases and a lot of uh, ISIS-oriented uh, groups that are also based around the north of Iraq, around Erbil. That was that was struck as a serious message to the West. But at the same, a couple of days later, they attack Pakistan. And you're like, why are you attacking Pakistan now? Don't you have enough stress? And then, of course, you know, it, it the Pakistani diplomats in the, at the UN freak out. Everyone's making a, a, a real... A storm about this. Um, right. It's it is illegal after all, and Pakistan retaliates the next day, shooting uh, missiles, surgical strike missiles into Iran, and then Iran is now yelling and and saying, "Look, this is this is uncalled for. We we were we were attacking uh, anti-Iranian terrorists who were who were housed in Pakistan, and Pakistan said, "Well, hey, look, we were attacking anti-Pakistani terrorist groups who were actually based in Iran." And what, you know, and then all of a sudden, within two days after that, by the by the 19th or maybe the 20th of January, all, everything's forgiving. You have the, right. the diplomats of Pakistan and India saying, yeah, I know we were talking about like going, you know, potential go. There's a potential going to war and all of these things. But you know what? We're actually going to solidify a mutual defense treaty that we had earlier signed a few months earlier. And we're going to extend that to border security. We're going to work on other points of defense and security and energy cooperation. Um, all's good. Don't worry about it. So what we have here is an interesting, again, a lesson in, in real politic. Sometimes um, you, you well, you can never really believe totally what a, a political figure is often saying publicly and then doing are two very different things. For those watching your show, they would have been following Trump long enough. They would have understood at least the basics of how this works. Um, and I want to just give people a sense into some of the dynamics shaping Pakistan. And I thought one thing to keep in mind here, Pakistan is something that most people, I know myself for many years, I've been very, um, mystified. There's still a lot I don't know, but I've been learning, I've been learning. And, and one of the things when trying to approach, what are the dynamics shaping Pakistan? You have to know that 
you 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 can't approach it that way. That that's the wrong question. It's like asking, well, what are the what what's the history of Canada from the standpoint of only looking at Canada? You can't know that. You can only know that if you if you keep in mind the British intention to destroy and undo the American Revolution, and then the British monarchy of Canada and its entire history going back to 1776 can make sense, which most historians, at least where I where I'm speaking from, they don't do that. Same thing for Pakistan. You, you there's no history of Pakistan from the standpoint of like a pop a Pakistan perspective. You got to look at well. Yeah. Where did it come out of, right? So if you go back a little bit further in, in time, um, around the turn of the, 19, of the 20th century, this was British India. British India was pretty much all of this. Uh, Burma all the way up through, uh, you know, th there's a little area here called Baluchistan. A lot of different uh, profiling of ethnic minority groups, Muslims, Sikhs, Hindus, but there's subgroups, you know, Muslims who are uh baloki um who speak balochistan there's there's muslims who uh are 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 in e what what becomes east pakistan or today's uh bangladesh who have a different a different um language group that they're a part of they're technically a lot of them are indo-aryan but even indo-aryan doesn't mean that much honestly because the word indo-aryan if you look down to like the origins of it comes from british imperial anthropologists who wanted to impose like an aryan interpretation on on world history like uh, Blavatsky and Annie Besant and these theosophists, they're the ones who went and said, okay, there's this this thing called the Aryan super race of the eight major races. And and they were the pure, fair-skinned uh, Persians and Indians who uh, uh, civilized the savages, the dark-skinned people. And they have this whole interpretation of history, which is very much colored by dishonesty and a desire, again, to just impose a racism onto all of the human story right to justify their superiority over like why are a bunch of white people running india <laughs> which is when the, the theosophists are going in setting up the indian congress party in the uh the 18th century uh, 19th century it's theosophists who are allied to the british empire setting up the india congress party that becomes the revolutionary anti-british party and it's like why what are you trying to subvert so there keep that in mind right now the thing about um the british before they left after World War II, towards the end of World War II, Winston Churchill presided over the murder of about 3 million Indians, Hindu, Sikh, and Muslim alike, all exterminated um, because they'd been submitted to, they'd, they'd been under British rule. The British East India Company came in in 1752 or so, 1747 even. And it began to take control first in that area that is today Bangladesh. That's the British Empire's first entry point into, uh, into India. And then they began immediately a, a systematic policy of just destroying the textiles. India was the second biggest uh, world economy after right. China at that time. They had the most advanced culture, um, in, industrial production system of, of very advanced textiles, engineering projects, the most advanced capacity to produce infrastructure. Um, all of that was systematically destroyed by the British who went in and cut off the hands Right. Of all the, the textile workers saying, you know, if you want to keep on making making linens, you're you're going to have a hard time with no hands. So they they did that for tens of thousands of people. Wow. They crushed. Them. They took. They basically mm -hmm. said, hey, you know what? Your your environment's good for opium production, so you're going to yeah. do that. And then India, and starting with with the area that became Bangladesh, wow. became a, a hub, very green zone, became a hub for opium production that became immediately useful in in fit, in sending it principally down to China to start getting the Chinese people addicted to addicted. destroy their right. right yeah that's and awful they, that's so sick <laughs> yep 
So all of this created a lot of hostility, obviously. And uh, by the time that this thing rolled around, this is again like 1890s, the British had controlled about 24% of the world territory, but and they, they'd overseen in, in India's case, 24 mass genocides controlled famines under Malthusian depopulation science that controlled the exodus of food like they did for Ireland. They called it the potato famine. It was never a potato famine. There was, a, there was other food just because there was a blight on potatoes. It didn't mean that they didn't have cattle and, and uh, wheat and other things. They had vegetables and wheat, but it was a controlled genocide of the Irish killed 2 million there. They did the same thing for over 200 years in India. Oh, my God. The, the numbers, but it's well in the hundreds of millions who were consciously murdered by British policy. And Churchill was sort of the last when he was asked, well, hey, uh, why are we extracting more food from India during 1943? And the, there were of battles in Europe, obviously. And uh, he said, well, you know, I know, I know we have enough food technically for our soldiers, but we want backup stores just in case. You oh, know? boy. And, you know. Other British imperialists who weren't that heartless were like, well, but there are we going to like have three million dead Indians if we take that extra food you want to take? And his his response was, who cares? They breed like rabbits and they killed it. Another three million died all across India, overseen by by Churchill. Uh, Churchill apologists can try to uh, avoid that fact, but it's provable. All that to say that resulted in a lot of uprisings with Muslims, Hindus, Sikhs together saying no more British Empire. We now want liberty. We want independence. Um, so it had to be given. The British Empire was weak. Their Hitler machine didn't really work out the way they had planned earlier. They had to put it down. So they had put a lot of effort in their, in aborting that New World Order fascist agenda that they had put a lot of years into building up. That had to be put down as they lived to fight another day. But despite knowing that they had to except the fact that they're going to have to allow some of their colonies to go free India being a big one because the the resistance it was unwieldy and the 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 America under Franklin Roosevelt wasn't willing to be um a, an enforcer of this colonial policy right. um at the time Franklin Roosevelt was not for supporting or, or defending the rights of empire anymore to control the world he died too soon but rather than allow India to just go free because no empire ever ever just does that. They don't give free freedom. Freedom is fought for. Um, what happened was Louis Montbat Mountbatten. Um, oh, who was, uh, we've talked the, about him before. Yeah, yeah, pedophile, rampant pedophile, yep. control handler, um, pseudo father of Prince Philip. Right. Um, the guy who wants to be reborn as a deadly virus. Right. He's he was the supreme Allied commander of Southeast Asia during World War II. He became the last sort of vis viceroy of uh, of india his wife was uh a, a, a major handler of jawahal uh, jawahal i can't pronounce his name uh nehru the first um prime minister india, of prime, yeah yeah okay um probably not a bad guy but very mentally emotionally weak um he was having uh he was basically a, he was having a lot of sex with montbatten's wife but you know montbatten didn't care he's more more busy with with young boys than than with his wife so anyway it was a, a a very controlled situation where he was basically able to persuade nehru and gandhi to give the british a year so that they could have an orderly withdrawal now in that time that orderly withdrawal was very carefully planned by British imperialists in sort of a similar way that they uh, they managed the creation around, a, you know, a few decades earlier of um, 
of Israel. They created a lot of states over British Mandate Palestine, which is how the British were able to profile different tribal groups, different ethnic groups. Also, when the British installed the House of Saud in Saudi Arabia, and when they created Saudi Arabia, they created Saudi intelligence, they created the Mossad, they created a lot of these things. They were always doing it along a very um, informed investigation of different tribal um, identities that they would exploit and use to their advantage for forever wars that they would maintain into the future by taking any little ethnic group and saying, we're going to manufacture a history that will be prejudiced in favor of your ethnic group. And if you're a subgroup that's been um, that's a minority group, there's it's likely that throughout the, the centuries, there is bad blood between you and a neighboring group, that, that there were wrongs. And we're going to define your whole identity around being a victim that oh. needs revenge against a dominant group. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sound familiar? Yes, it does. Oh, boy. <laughs> so they took the time to ensure that um, that there were two Muslim-dominated regions, m- Muslim-majority regions. It doesn't mean that they were all Muslim, but in the case of this region here in uh, the, the western part of India, northwestern, that, they said, was going to be a new country. We'll call it Pakistan. And for the Hindus living there, the Sikhs living there, we're going to find a way to extract them, and uh, we'll use goons. We're going to finance a, a lot of ignorant uh, terrorists to go in will pay them to go in and just murder whole villages of Hindus and Sikhs. And we'll blame it on, we'll just say these are government enforcers. Now, the British were actually using British intelligence to do to do all of this. And people who don't know any better, they're just seeing all of a sudden masked goons coming into their, their villages, killing everybody, men, women, and children, um, in order for them to leave. So they're like, okay, it's obviously the Pakistani government. Now, I'm not saying that the Pakistani government didn't have bad people who were British intelligence uh, agents in it. I'm not saying that, but this is how the game is always played. There's there's uh, there's fifth columnists who are ultimately corrupt traitors who are installed to 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 do the bidding of their masters that are far located far and away from the location that they're lighting on fire. So that was that that involved an exodus of people who had been living there for centuries and centuries who were told, no, you have to go to India. People in India, all of the Muslims who had been living in India for centuries and millennia, they were told, no, 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 we're you got to go to Pakistan or go to East Pakistan, which is what became Bangladesh. Originally, these were two two, two provinces of the same country, oh. but again, separated by all of India. Right. <laughs> that looks complicated to, to manage. Wow. You know? It, yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. I never knew that till just now. Interesting. It's kind of like how, you, how we, we could look at how uh, the borders of uh, Armenia and Azerbaijan. Oh, like like in America. Well, that's a different story. That's a, that's a different dynamic, which is interesting unto itself. But if right. you think about more, more of the uh, the geopolitical artificial boundaries of like, yeah, uh, Armenia and Azerbaijan, they both have like enclaves that are separated from the main the mainland. Right. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. But then, but then divided by their their an enemy group that is of a country that they're at in war with. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So okay. Well, I never knew that. Thing. Now I know, and I I already learned a lot. But I'm just saying that. Because this will come into play later. Yeah. So the British made sure that um, those Muslims right. would, uh, who lived in little Muslim villages, um, would be terrorized by goons coming in, you know, basically saying, hey, we are Hindu goons and, and or not goons, but we are Hindu, Hindu forever. And then they would go and kill a bunch of Muslims. Now, again, were those people actually like Hindu right. patriots or Sikh patriots? No, not a chance. 
Um, these were people, again, deployed as controlled opposition, controlled terrorists to create a bloodbath. In the course of this exodus of Muslims from India into Pakistan or into what became Bangladesh, millions and millions died. Millions died uh, in 1947. It's crazy oh, wow. how many deaths. And we don't even know the number exactly. Some say it's up upwards of above uh, 10 to 11 million. Uh, everyone can agree that it's no less than 2 million, um, but a lot of blood. So and also a lot a lot of bad blood, right? Emotionally for those who then survived, and then Pakistan was was declared its own country, um, but again with two separate appendages. Meanwhile, you have the Radcliffe Line in northern India that the British created, saying, "Hey, India, this is what what's yours." Um, now the British did this when the British were controlling India, and uh, they didn't bother telling China <laughs> that uh, that they've artificially this guy, this lawyer named uh, Radcliffe, Sir something Radcliffe, never had never had been out of Europe, never went to these areas, was looking on a map and said, "Okay, I'm going to make a line right there." And uh, <laughs> again, I'm not going to confer with the, the the Chinese who I'm taking land away from that this might be disputed. Might, there might even be Chinese villages who are now going to all of a sudden be in India, um, in the north of India. So this has obviously then created the basis of, around which further wars and hostilities between India and China could be cultivated by the British. The British, keep in mind, have just been overseeing the century of humiliation in China. Okay. They, they went into, into China. And they had two opium wars to force opium down the throats of the Chinese when the Chinese said, no, we don't want this anymore. It's killing our people. It's destroying. It's rotting our, the souls of our people. It's creating a corrupt bureaucracy that uh, that's useless, that's mm -hmm. traitorous. Um, the British went in with warships and, and forced more opium down their throats with guns oh, God. and kept control of the entire economy, really. So, I mean, this is a highly, highly volatile, highly controlled area. And the British are always thinking, well, what are the ancient traditions that we're afraid might arise that could create a dignified alliance of different peoples of the world that could unite in defense of themselves and in opposition to us that we cannot permit? So we got to find a way to always keep these these people divided with each other. Now, oh, boy. Well, they're really yeah. good at that. I mean, it's just so, so crazy. It's like the same playbook over and over and by the same people that always seem to get away with it. They still are getting away with it. But keep yes. going because it's so interesting to know that. And, and meanwhile, nobody was even looking at this part of the world in America. We didn't America didn't even know this was happening as far as I can see. I mean, maybe some people did, but it's certainly, you know, we were concentrating on different stuff. So this was also because of media at the time. I don't I mean, were they? Did the whole world know this was going on at the time or no? Mel K here. Looks like X is going to be the front lines for the battle for 2024. So I am back on X. See me at the Mel K Show, at Mel K Show, at Mel K Show. And I will see you at X on the front lines as we march into 2024 and turn this country around. See you at Mel K Show. Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of people in the world were looking at this. I mean, everybody in Eurasia was was stressed out by this. You know, and this this CNN was covering it a little bit, saying like, why are India and Pakistan striking uh, each other's territory, and what does this have to do with the Middle East? And this is January eighteenth, and they're obviously giving an incompetent assessment, as CNN must do. I know. Uh, with but look at how big of a piece of land that is. That is very important to the entire world. <laughs> oh yeah, and it's right next to Afghanistan. You know, and this area has been a zone of like. 
the the opium production zone of this area from Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iran, and India has been hugely important even into the present day. That was a big reason why NATO went in and bombed the hell out of Afghanistan. Opium was because opium. yeah, opium. Yeah, ninety yeah, percent. I mean, world and what's crazy is I can't even believe because I'm watching this and you're talking about this and the opium, and then obviously that happened in uh, China too. It's like this opium product. I mean, because I've done shows about you know the bushes and the, the five star trust and all this stuff. It's so crazy how opium because it's something that nor, I mean, average everyday people probably never come across <laughs> what this stuff. But it's it's, well, it's, the, it's the base to, of heroin, right? Places, right? I know. I'm just yeah. saying, like I, unless you're like yeah. you know. I think most people, yeah. but I think it's been replaced by fentanyl. It appears. It, I don't know. It seems like it's yeah, they've gone for the chemical. Yeah, no, that, that's right. They've they've gone for the the transition over the past fifteen years into the fentanyl land. Um, right. I think that like now we we don't realize how how valuable getting people addicted to the opium heroin was because, and now like everything fentanyl is new, but it seems like it's the same kind of model. Yeah, exact same model. Exactly, it's a bit more effective um, at getting certain effects, but it's the same model, same idea. Yeah. Um. Sad. So, just to just to be clear that this area that both Iran was striking into Pakistan and Pakistan was striking into Iran um, was known as Baluchistan. That area that the British called Baluchistan, the British were trying to promise, just like they did promise the Kurds, hey, we're going to give you your own country. Um, and they've been using and manipulating the Kurds. So too, the 7 million or so uh, uh, people living in, or the, the people who identify as Baluchistanis are um, Sunni. They're, they're often, many of them are anti-Iran. Pakistan, keep in mind, is uh, Sunni, Iran is Shia, different branches of Islam, a lot in common, but there's things that have been exploited to, to separate them. Right. Now, in the case of, um, it's not a, it's not an actual country, though. It's just a zone. Now, um, the thing that is useful to hold in mind is that the the Iranians shot this group called uh, Jaish ul Adel. This is a internationally recognized terrorist group. They've killed thousands of people over the course of decades. The um, ABC News has recognized in um, 2005, they did a report on this group noting that they have been secretly, this is a quote from ABC News, secretly encouraged and advised by the advised by the U.S. government since 2005. Oh boy. So this is actually a 2008 report, sorry. Um, so it is a, like any terrorist group, they, you know, they're not naturally emerging. They, they tend right. to be utilized by, by Western intelligence. Yeah. yeah. ISIS is a good example. They right. also have been working with, then uh, what they do is they run, they do terrorist acts in uh, Iran, then they run back to Pakistan's side in Baluchistan and say, hey, hey, you can't touch us. So uh, oh, this, this, this group that was, that was attacked, their infrastructure was destroyed. Many of their fighters were killed by Iran, Iranian surgical missiles. Um, Pakistan, in turn, uh, destroyed what's known as the Baluchistan People's Liberation Army. It's a pseudo-Marxist terrorist group that, that attacks Pakistani infrastructure. And then they go to the Iranian side and say, hey, hey, you can't touch us. Now, they've been trying for years to get some international motion and pressure to shut down these groups. A lot of the groups actually have support from um, headquarters and offices in England, in the UK. Oh, wow. They're getting How about Qatar? Right, so Qatar, a part of that too? Funded? Qatar always seems to have its, its hands it does, in everything. Doesn't it? I, I don't know about these two They're specific very lucky groups. in Qatar. They keep, they keep, seem to be involved in everything and never, no one ever calls them out on anything. It appears. Because they have the, the soccer, the soccer teams that they own. I don't know. It's, it's uh, I'm not sure. Uh, They're good guys. Everybody they likes their soccer, right? Yeah, so they don't look the other right. way. Um, 
Now, in both cases, there were no air defense systems. So neither Pakistan nor, nor Iran employed their air defense systems, implying, again, foreknowledge and some form of coordination from the top that initiated this. Um, extremely important. And uh, the thing to also keep in mind is that this area that I was just showing people, showing oh uh, the audience. Oh, boy. Is Here the we go. zone which. Yeah, I mean, this is the zone which is obviously Western think tanks, Rand Corporation, the CFR. They've been producing reports, freaking out about this is what they're thinking about. If you're if you're a, a Washington or London uh, geopolitical think tank analyst that believes in a one world government, what's keeping you up at night is, is the Belt what and Road been... Initiative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this you can see definitely uh, in terms of the model has rail lines going uh, from China through India. These aren't built not doing yet. anything. They're not doing anything to counter this. All they're doing is creating chaos and China just keeps going forward. Now we're what 130 nations are in the Belt and Road Initiative and they th they think that at some it. point they're going to decide to get involved. You're going to have to negotiate and figure out well, it, it's not stoppable. The only thing that they want to do is get everybody to just to destroy each other, get all the neighbors to just kill each other so that right. that way they can stabilize all this stuff from happening. Um, that's that's the only thing that they could uncreatively think about. Wow. Um, now, the thing that's also I find very useful is that because Pakistan has been kept sort of at the throat of um, of India, India to Pakistan, a lot of hostility there. India has been kept at the throat of China and back and forth, a lot of hostility there when China when uh China went to war with India, uh, with India, Pakistan back in the 70s or the 60s. Pakistan was supporting. Um, anyway, there, there's a lot of manipulation. So all that to say, there's been a lot of effort in recent years to try to get some form of, of coalition or collaboration based on mutual benefits. Now, there is the, the a picture of the foreign minister of Iran in, in August, 2000, uh, August 2023, the third, um, having signed a massive a plan for commercial cooperation with the foreign minister of Pakistan. And that guy is going to play an important role in my briefing here. His name is uh, Bilawal Bhutto Zardari. And uh, they signed, again, the date is important, August 3rd, 2023. Yeah. Pakistan has a lot of deals with uh, the U.S. military that they can't get out of. They've, oh, they've really? signed on for a long time. Not right. a single... Get the, keep this in mind. Zardari's father was the former president of, of Pakistan from 2008 to 2013. He was the first president to survive his full five-year term without a coup or assassination. In the entire 60-plus years that Pakistan has, has existed, he was the first one. So just to show how volatile it is and how dangerous it is to be a statesman in Pakistan if you actually don't want to kill your people on behalf of a death cult in the West, right. you will get overthrown very easily we're going to go through a few case studies of this but this is yeah. august 3rd and also now, you know again i just want to remind my, my audience probably knows this but i i know some people that are very uh wealthy from pakistan there, there's a very very there's a an elitist class there too like everywhere else that is also involved in um in a lot of what we're talking about the great reset and all that and you know yeah. every one of these countries also has that too yeah. right and that's a big part of like what set up Pakistani intelligence, the ISI, um, the inter-services uh, agency that was set up and has been used. There might be good people in it, just like there's good people within America's CIA. Right. But, but I think people have been brainwashed or propagandized to think Pakistan is like a backwards country and it's really not. 
you know, or Iran that like, it's like people are living in huts. No, there's actually a, a very wealthy, educated class in this country oh, yeah. as well that, you oh, know, I just, yeah, most certainly. And, and you'll find, you'll find certain yeah. families uh, right. that have been loyal to the British empire for exactly. over a century within exactly. the region. Like and their the, kids uh, go to Oxford and become Rhodes scholars. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you, you have this, so it's, it's for people who are a little bit more, um honest but with political power they have to walk a very fine right. line in pakistan it's it's really hard to be able because you have to both satisfy this massive very powerful class same thing for india there's certain families in india that are right. very 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 enmeshed as the the higher brahmins right that higher caste system of the aryan pure pe people that were told your family is more perfect because right. you're lighter skinned right. and so you're going to be favored by the british empire and you're going to locally control that area yeah. of India, which is how the Britain Britain was able to to keep um, 400 million people in the in the 1900s under the control of only 10,000 British soldiers was by right. local control, right? Um, and and so you you have to have your favored families. The Americans, you know, we have the the lodges, the Cabots, the Morgans, the Rockefellers are a bit newer, but we have their certain favored families. Yeah, and it's all about that. They they create a family and then they create a, a crime syndicate usually involving narcotics of some form that will then create a uh, a shadow government right. that will interface with intelligence like Mayor Lansky did or right. in the case of like the entire organized crime syndicate of of the, the Sicilian, the Corsican Mafia. They right. always interface with Western intelligence and they always played a certain role with the banks to launder money, keep the drugs going onto the streets, keep a structure of, of control that will keep politicians bribed, that will keep photographs of compromising things happening to certain certain politicians or certain people in, in the corporate sector that you want to keep on a leash. So right. it's, it's all very useful. They did the same thing in China with the right. green gangs that went to Taiwan. They did the same things with the Freemasonic outfits that the British set up inside of Hong Kong and Shanghai when they created their whole like this, you know, internal oligarchy within China that that's been working to destroy China from within. They did the same thing in India. India it's, has done a worse job than China so far battling this thing, partially because well, there's a variety of reasons, but I'll just uh, say yeah. there's oh, it's complex. It's nuanced. Let's yeah, just and say I just that. want people to understand because in my, you know, from my my experience, I just think they've propagandized America, at least through Hollywood, to think that Iran, Pakistan, India, that like, you know, be it through movies like Argo, Slumdog Millionaire, any of these movies, even the movie that, you know, Zero Dark Third, any of these movies that you think that there's that that's the 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 people there that's not true all of these have a elite class that i believe right now is aligned in a lot of what's going on in yep. the world so if you're still thinking about it in the hollywood sense of these nations that they're you know that's that's not true so i think this picture right now is really is is a good sign of like they look just like our elite elitists you know yes. they 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 do business just like with our with our our people too these these chosen yes supranational you know, people yeah and at the same time keep in mind that this is this is ultimately an extremely good thing since iran and pakistan in this case have had a lot of um there's been a lot keeping them apart uh pakistan's been threatened with sanctions if they work with with iran a lot of hostility again because of pakistan providing safe haven to uh wahhabiite terrorists that have been destabilizing governments in the middle east in iran and other parts of the in iraq and syria and then they they go to to, to Pakistan, and that's been the case since the 70s, since right. Zbigniew Brzezinski unleashed the, the Islamist card by funding with U.S. taxpayer money, radicalizing madrasas, creating, you know, working with the Mojahideen uh, Ikalk, working with, you know, creating 
essentially what became Al-Qaeda. Uh, that was all created and brought, brought to us by the Trilateral Commission of Henry Kissinger and Zbigniew Brzezinski. And, so, and they're all infested in the old Biden regime foreign policy team. Uh, and and yeah, but, yeah. you know, you and I both think want a future where um, there's like the, the globalism that they've created is no more and where there's a global cooperation between nations. And I think people have to understand that, you know, every nation has stories like this, but that they're much more like us, the people than people think, you know, I yeah. just think people want us isolated and not thinking that the people in the rest of the world, be it in Pakistan or India or Iran or everyone has their backstory, but most people pretty much just want, you know, things to work out for their nation. And, you know, yeah. and then they look at this and they think, oh, you know, those terrorists or those, you know, they're backwards or they're undeveloped. They're not undeveloped. Yeah. Go ahead, but so, I just wanted to say that. So I'm just, I, that's absolutely right. No, it's a good good reminder. Um, now, what I love about this, just to keep in mind the the anomaly of like, hey, we're almost going to war with each other. And then all of a sudden, hey, big hug, we're all good. Um, right. Same thing happened. This is keeping the, this date here is August 7th, five days, uh, no, sorry, four days after the uh, this this incredibly historic, important, a five-year strategic plan for commercial cooperation is signed. Within four days, Pakistan abandons a massive gas pipeline that was supposed to go from Iran and bring uh, Iranian gas into Pakistan. It was already halfway built on, on the Iranian side, and Pakistan canceled it, saying, we can't do it. I'm sorry. We uh, we just can't. Uh, sanctions. Sorry. We, we And now Pakistan, you got to keep in mind, they have rolling blackouts. Um, they have... Uh, 240 million people live with blackouts, not a lot of electricity, not a lot of reliability. Um, Pakistan does have that problem. And so this was a huge boon to their, their development, and they canceled it. They self-inflicted this. It's like almost like imagine Germany saying, we're not going to do Nord Stream 2. We're just not going to do it. We don't want it. Sorry. We're, it's not worth uh, – now, that's not I what the Germans that. were willing to do. The, the Americans had to – or the American establishment had to bomb the hell out of right, it and exactly. blow it up. But um, – so this is not going to happen now. All of a sudden, this this massive, oh, what nice. is it, a 2,775-kilometer natural gas pipeline is not going to happen. Then, within two months, now keep in mind here, this, this is a headline, November 17, 2023. All of a sudden, Pakistan and Iran agree to jointly develop not only this gas pipeline, but also an additional gas pipeline, which uh, will go from uh, Turkmenistan, Afghanistan, Pakistan, and India, which has been kept at at uh where is it wow. this one here on the right side. this is a big deal i, I mean I, I, yeah. i'm seeing this for the first time so, and and this also aligns up with the BRICS situation as well right exactly exactly and this I mean, is the they're going forward and they are leaving out the nato nations as far as i can see but keep yeah. going because the the people need to understand this is a what you want for your future, you need to know what's going on in the world, because it looks like to me that they're saying, you know what, whatever happened in the past, we have this opportunity right now with the yeah. world changing as it is with this O'Biden uh, regime and this crazy NATO people. And uh, mm -hmm. we're going to forge our own path our way. I'm sorry. That's exactly. what I'm seeing it's, from this so far. Yeah, the, U, the U.S. is showing no leadership. So, of course, and it, it's right. a choice just instead of a, a subservience to the, the Anglo world government uh, agenda for a death cult. And so. It's forcing nations now to figure out how do you survive this thing right. and what do you have to do? So, you know, uh, these are two images of what the uh, these two pipelines that they're now committing to wow. and they will accelerate uh, that now unite the enemies, India and Pakistan, who have been enemies, will be now united in energy cooperation. Wow. 
Now, in 2022, in uh, August huh. of, or is it July 2022, you had the Isla Islamabad, Pakistan, Tehran, Istanbul, that's Turkey's capital rail link, 6,500 kilometers, which will make a 10-day travel trip between car for cargo and freight from Islamabad to Istanbul via Iran. This was shut down in 2020, uh, 2013. This was shut down. And it, for shut 10 years, it went fallow. Shut down by who? By the globalist billionaire oligarchy? I'm sorry. Shut down yeah. by like the World Banks? Like who shut that down? It was shut down by Pakistan and uh, Turkey. Turkey is a member of NATO. Oh, Pakistan Turkey. was basically right. told since there's no way. I don't understand Turkey being a member of NATO, but that's for a different story, a different that's show. A different I have my ideas. But um, yeah. is this aligned at all with the Belt and Road Initiative or is it yeah. totally I'm going to show you some pictures here. So come on, here's a, here's a, to re rekindle our memory, the, there's the, the, the Belt and Road Initiative is this, this is actually only part of it, right? Um, right. Again, a lot of this is oh, not totally. necessarily built. Right. There's a. It's a very flexible concept, but it's it's an it's a it's an idea that involves extending large scale credit using national banking for large like five to thirty year projects that are mega projects, the sort of thing America used to do when we were still sane, and Canada right. used to do when we were still I sane. Know. That's what's being done that involves building new cities. Right. Building high speed rail, magnetic levitation rail in some cases, roads, highways, electrical corridors, ports, have clean dams. The, yeah. uh, the, the maritime base of the Silk Road has major ports. Each time you have uh, one of these major ports, you're creating again um, an entire development complex around right. it. It's not just the one thing. And there's also a northern branch that's not even showcased going through right. the Arctic as well as on the land over through Russia and Mongolia. So there's a lot going on, but obviously the southernmost route goes down from Pakistan. It connects into India with rail into Turkey via Iranos, well into uh, Iraq and into uh, Lebanon with extensions into Syria that could feasibly go into Israel and Palestine for a reconstruction. If we wanted to, it would be there as an ability to create um, something viable for the future. If we, but again, right now we're not seeing too much desire to have a future. So that's not that, right. that part of the, it's impossible, Matt, looking at that, it's impossible to believe that the, as I call them, the global billionaire oligarchy, uh, that runs your country and mine isn't all in on this. They, they have to be, I, I think that they're all, it's just my opinion, but you know what, if your bottom line is that you're a globalist multinational corporation or a stakeholder partner of the global banking cartel you're in on this they they need their money but anyway go ahead i'm just i'm just opining after watching a lot of stuff i just i really think like your country and my country are in the same boat but it's like the people have to start really understanding this that's why the show is important and i hope people are understanding what's going on the world is going forward without us yeah so <laughs> and that's here's not the, okay. the chinese uh, the the Pakistan corridor side of things, um, as you pointed out, yeah, this is part of it. So there's the China uh, Pakistan economic corridor that uh, involves. So far, China's built something like uh, nine gigawatts of uh, hydroelectric power, coal-fired power, and also uh, they're helping to build nuclear power, six gigawatts in Pakistan alone, which is desperately in need of energy. That's the reason why their population is so um, in impoverished is the lack of energy uh per capita lack of affordable energy yeah, lack of energy like, per like africa so, same same issue yeah yep yeah and, so and of course there's plenty of it if we wanted to make the allow them to oh, have yeah, it and of course china is giving it to them instead of us yeah. that's great so these are um the, the the majority of the quality uh power so far built up have been hydro and coal but also we're going to see more about nuclear 
um that's super super important so again these fall into play and it's always been for the last centuries uh but especially this past century it's been always about a fight over energy um the the financier oligarchy wants to keep us in a situation where we don't have the ability it's like me metabolism for the body you know like my body metabolizes it, it takes calories that are taken in by food it I I do work it burns the food turns it in by burning it into by into heat energy that allows me to do more work I can go to the gym right um I could I could do a variety of useful things with my body if I'm eating if I'm not eating my body doesn't metabolize so well my cell health breaks down it's like that for a human economy too except with with a human economy you 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 if you grow you need with a human body right a, ba a an adult who's a healthy adult cannot eat what a baby diet would eat for a little tiny baby um that won't satisfy it's good for the baby but you need to have a different kind of food as you become an adult it's the same thing for an economy if you if you're if you're living in a in an economy from 800 years ago which didn't have an industrial base people lived on average till 35 40 years of age max you know and that's old then yeah you don't need to have um high density power it's just not what your technology or your population's norms allow in the medieval ages but if you're in, in, in a society with 8 billion people who expect to live or should at least 80 to 90 years ideally for now then you would need to have with industrial production high quality energy you can't tolerate windmills they were good when they were newly invented 800 right. years ago invented, um, exactly <laughs> get us but but stick us onto it now with our current energy requirements and life expectancy and it's going to be genocide so um okay so the fight for energy is the key energy yeah. sovereignty is the key now I mentioned this guy here uh uh Buto yeah. um Buto Zardari Bilawal his uh father I mentioned was the prime minister uh the president that's him right there in 2012 shaking hands with then president uh, Medvedev uh Karzai oh, wow. of Kabul and I believe huh. I forget which uh Stan I think it's Tajikistan or Kurdistan probably Turkmenistan actually uh president over there but they're basically he was working hard to try to create a Eurasian economic front of cooperation to avoid the oncoming collapse that was foreseeable even a decade or, tw or 12 years ago his mother is uh uh Benazir Bhutto uh Benazir Bhutto was prime minister of Pakistan but wasn't uh, she murdered was that her was or no 2007 yeah her, and so she was the head of the people's part of uh, Pakistani people's party and she was pr uh, prime minister into uh, 1989 and till 1992 and then again from 1990 I'm mixing up my dates here but she was pr prime minister twice when she was right. about to become prime, prime minister again she got murdered right she was working again for uh, re uh massive reforms against the the, the Pakistani deep state cooperation right. with their neighbors her father was this guy here uh Zulfikar um uh Bhutto and that's him with Indira Gandhi the prime uh the president of or prime minister of India in uh the 70s and he had been working again as a peacemaker to build alliances with India to undo the danger of of war that the British and the the Anglo-Zionist American intelligence apparatus within India and within Pakistan were trying to organize especially over the issue of Bangladesh which had recently in 1971 they became they became Bangladesh formally they were East Pakistan um there was nearly a war because India sided with them and it got messy you know and and so um that almost became a war with Pakistan and India so he was working hard to to do this but also to create both India Indira Gandhi who also got assassinated in 1984 with her son Rajiv Gandhi who became Prime Minister of India and got killed 
a few years later in 1989 in a, in a plane crash. They were all, and he was also killed too. Uh, uh, Zulfikar uh, Bhutto was killed um, through a coup d'etat. Oh, wow. In show oh. a, a from him. I, I guess that they weren't on the side of, of the empire. Yeah, exactly. Hey guys, Mel K here. Another great thing you can find on our website, themelkshow.com, is our partners page. We've vetted all these people. They are patriot businesses. If we are going to defund the cabal, we really have to stop giving them our money. So we've come up with a bunch of different partners that support us, support America. They build jobs. They build the economy parallel, which is what we need. So please go to our partners page. Check everyone out. we got something for everyone there. And uh, they are patriots. We are patriots. You are patriots. we got to all stand together going forward. The economy is a big way to fight, and we can fight back by putting our dollars in the right places and not with the corporate entities that are trying to take our country down. So remember to go over to look at our partners page. We vetted everyone. These are real patriots. The best way to fight the cabal is to stop giving them your money. We have a parallel economy we're building, and you can be part of it. Go woke, go broke. We are done with that. Please go to our partners page. Everyone there is a patriot, just like you. Now that doesn't mean that they're they're not flawed humans who right. make mistakes or to make they make compromises with bad people. I'm not saying right. that everybody who's in political power, you can't find somebody who has like right. an angelically clean hands. Otherwise, real politics, we don't have history if that's the case. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> right. So, but they have a conscience. They have something human that's guiding them. They're not technocratic zombies, and so they have to at different times be, be eliminated because they're they're derailing the new world order agenda. So, in the case of of uh, uh, of Indira, she was doing quite a bit, especially on ensuring India's right to have uh, nuclear power to also um, others, a few things, but I'm keeping it on, on Pakistan. So for Zulfikar, he was overthrown in a coup d'etat run by um, um, Muhammad Zia-ul-Haq. The Haq, H-A-Q family is one of these high-level Pakistani oligarchist families that are part of the Davos sort of operation now yeah. every single generation it's like you got a bunch of these a multitude that are doing yeah. very nefarious. there might be some good ones but overall that's the trend right so in the case of zulfikar when he gets overthrown in a coup d'etat in 77 he's in jail now for a year and a half and uh, he writes his memoirs because he now gets a sense that he's going to get killed um and the only publication to publish this was executive intelligence review in 1979 that published his memoirs called the Bhutto Files. And uh, this is where I got this quote from. And I think it's such an important quote to get it to at the heart of the battle of history um, that I'm going to just read it and um, and then just go to the last slide. But he said here, pointing out the, the role of Henry Kissinger um, in overseeing his murder. He said here, describing the case of Pakistan, he said, we were on the threshold of full nuclear capability when I left the government to come to this death cell. We know, and this is 1977, we know that Israel and South Africa have full nuclear capability. The Christian, Jewish, and Hindu civilizations have this capability. The communist powers also possess it. Only the Islamic civilization was without it, but that position was about to change. Dr. Henry Kissinger, the Secretary of State for the United States, has a brilliant mind. Now he's being a little sarcastic here. Right. He told me that I should not insult the intelligence of the United States by saying that Pakistan needed the reprocessing plant for her energy needs. And he's talking about the uh, a fast breeder reactor, yeah. which which processes spent nuclear fuel so that you could recycle it and not have to bury it. 
Right. Now, in reply, I told him that I will not insult the intelligence of the United States by discussing the energy needs of Pakistan, but in the same token, he should not insult the sovereignty and self-respect of Pakistan by discussing the plant at all. The general, that is General Zia-ul-Haq that I mentioned, mm-hmm. got the, the lemon uh, limbo from the president of France. It's a, He's referring now to a Pakistani delicacy of food. Pakistan got the uh, the ladu, and the PNA got the halva. It's a it's a, a, a dessert. I got the death sentence, and oh, he ends wow. up getting uh, hung. Hanged oh my god! Wow! Right after he says this, now again, the, and the that was his Pakistan, daughter that was murdered. And then his daughter was the one who becomes prime minister. Tried to twice. come up. Well, you know, and, right now, I, I'm sure you know this, but. I've been reading a, a couple pieces by uh, Gaddafi's kid out there trying to. I, I'm, I'm worried for that guy's life. He's saying similar things too, and I think what happened in Libya is the worst of the worst of international war crimes. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, you know, these 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 children come up in these worlds and they try to you know right the wrongs that happened to their family, and then ah. Anyway, well, it's, like, it's like it's like yeah. almost like John F. Kennedy Jr. as well, right? Like John exactly. F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, was was certainly making some serious waves um, as he was obviously getting ready to go into politics uh, in the 90s, um, exposing the Epstein operation and, and right. a lot of other. I things. fully believe he was murdered as well. But, oh, but yeah. that's a that, you know, that's a whole nother story. But, the, you Not know, these these people come back to avenge their their parents that were actually doing good. And then um, they have the same fate. So, yeah. but I'm glad well, to I that. find I find the son, the son uh, that I mentioned, the uh, Bilawal Bhutto Zardaria, I find him interesting, even though because even though it, it I liked him, I like Imran, Imran Khan, but and it does seem like it was a U.S. run coup that that deposed him um, illegally Khan's a year in, and a half in jail, right? Yes. Um, the thing is Who that put him in jail, like who's really behind that? Well, there's the deep state of Pakistan, and I, they, the the thing is that this operation has been trying to get Pakistan back under this uh, controlled depopulation agenda that they're supposed to be under. But it, it's like even in in the groups that are um, that like in this group that overthrew or that took power after Khan was taken out, um, they're not traitors either. And and so it's like you've got a variety of different groups that right. are they have different influences and different people that infiltrated them and maybe on the same. See, for me, again, yeah. from the very beginning of this, when you learn about India and the truth about what's happened to India, I always still look at the the one empire that you can't prove, as you told me, that ever <laughs> that it ever fell uh, with the hand behind a lot of this. Again, uh, I think that, um, you know, what's whatever's going on with the crown in the U.K., Somehow mm-hmm. they're never implicated in anything ever to this no, day. Answer. It's yeah. it's really amazing. But that's really no, important. That's that's the and that's the thing. I, I think what what we're dealing with now is we have the um the Anglican Church, right? Which is like the 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 most rainbow church of the world, where God has been like declared in the Anglican uh, world as being uh, uh, an androgynous god, a bisexual right. god that that made us in in its image. Yeah, they're 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 not using the word like husband or wife in their yeah. in their church practices anymore because it's too not it's not inclusive enough. Right, exactly. Um, and and you know the the American branch of Anglicans are the Episcopalians. They're also massively like whenever you have like drag shows inside of churches or cabarets, oh, we have it all over in the in, in in Quebec. It's it's all Anglican churches that are doing cabarets. Oh wow. Um, 
that's these are the Anglican churches that are the, the most, but the head of the Anglican church is the royal, the hereditary, um, the, whoever is sitting there at one moment because the bloodline, it's based on a mythology that was created centuries ago from the Gnostic um, Christian gospels. But the these are satanic gospels. They're not really Christian, but the Gnostic gospels um, have certain um, stories that were built up around them. One of which being this concept, and this is for the inner elites as far as like secret knowledge that the, that Jesus never died on the cross. He in fact continued to uh, have babies with Mary Magdalene, lived a long life. Magdalene and or Jesus both went to France. In fact, they uh, they continued their seed. They raised their kid. The kid became the royalty of the Merovingians of Clovis the first. Oh, I know about the, the Merovingians. In the the heart of the the bloodline of Christ, and this is at the heart of a lot of the royal families that they tell themselves this story of of the royal bloodlines of Europe. They've told themselves that oh, we're all the descendants. I dug with into the, that a long time ago. That stuff is this way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but now let's it. let's pull this <laughs> yeah. all together. So yeah. most people know, or I think that watch me know that we've always been told that India and Pakistan are mortal enemies. They both have nuclear weapons. They could destroy and kill each other at any moment. Now that we know what we know from learning from Matt Arett and Cynthia and other people that what we know about history is largely false. So in this scenario, now that we're seeing the Belt and Road Initiative, we're seeing Pakistan and India and Iran all finding, you know, cooperation for the first time in our lifetimes where they appear to be. And a lot of this is financial, correct? A lot of this is about prosperity and financial or is, is it two pronged? But it seems to be most of this, though, seems to be more of a. It's an opportune time because uh, the U.S. and the the Five Eyes nations, NATO nations, are completely insane and with no leadership and stolen elections and fraudulent governments that are captured. And B, it appears that these nations are looking out for their own best interests after you know Afghanistan, Ukraine, uh, treaties ripped up, sanctions that that are hurting these nations. So what's your overall assessment of where we are and why this is happening right now? Well, I, I think part of it is that um, we're on the verge of the end of civilization as we know it for probably centuries, if not longer, maybe millennia um, with nuclear weapons all over the world that uh, and and eschatological um, end time cults that have political clout behind them run by occult intelligence agencies that are satanic. Um, that are perhaps willing to have some okay. sort of, yeah, they're they're willing to have like a ritualistic uh, mass conflagration um, to usher in some sort of a phoenix-like rebirth and alchemical dismantling and reconstruction of humanity. So, I mean, that involves certain um, things that have to happen, like the complete resetting and canceling of all the ancient civilizations of the world that have been like maintaining a continuity continuity for thousands of years. And it happens to be the case that I think that um, a variety of those civilizations currently alive are, are not happy with that um, condition of just like getting rid of <laughs> 5,000 years right. of morality. Culture and, and culture history and, and erasing and, it all for the fourth industrial revolution. You're yeah, done. they're just there. Yeah. 
But now they you know they they have Satanists within their midst and all of the different cultures who are okay with going along with that as long as they get a, a good spot in hell right, um exactly. rather than you know uh, serve in heaven. Right. Um but uh but I think we're at that place now where people have are are having to think like well what what are are we going to go along with with the right. end of civilization for the next several centuries or longer or or do we do we fight and I I I the way I see the, st the strategic thinking and philosophy underlying what created the strategy of the Belt and Road Initiative and other things that are allowing it to happen is part of a battle against the oligarchy, although they are still saying, look, you can still make a lot of money. Like if you want to make a lot of money and, and have your, your self-interest maintained, work with us on these things right. and you'll make a lot of money. But on the higher level, I think that they're creating a situation where it's it's going to be overcoming limits to growth breaking the formula of, of the depopulation arguments that always say we don't have enough resources to go around there's not enough space people are you know um they're they're basically saying with these types of projects we're going to destroy the foundation of those depopulation arguments in order to say no we'll we'll create abundance um we'll create nuclear power we'll create fusion we'll create we'll green a desert we'll you know, um, have magnetic levitation rail and we're going to train uh, millions of people across Africa to become engineers, which is the very opposite that we have in Europe or North America, where we're trying to create scarcity, destroy abundance, make people dumber and undo their morality. <laughs> and then take every dollar they have so that they have to be dependent on the government to survive. Yeah, I mean, well, they are yeah, I mean, you got the whole UBI thing on top of yeah. that. They want to like just shut down. They want to blow out the economy. They want to create a new type of of digital economy uh, or currency based on uh, your behavior. Right. And your behavior will be re rewarded if you eat more bugs. You uh, you you live with less. You'll be rewarded. And uh, if you try to do things that that challenge the 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 computer models in the West, um, you will be punished. Um, you won't be allowed to to travel beyond your checkpoint or whatever, you know, and I I just don't see that same philosophy when I look at Eurasia. I just don't see that philosophy. I see rewards for other things like rewards for being more productive, rewards for producing more, um, not producing less. So it's a different type of philosophy that I see when I look at that type of world or the role of the nation state and playing a role instead of having um, private financiers tell a nation what to do. There is the nation state with the, telling the private sector what exactly. it's allowed to do as far. So it's a different thing than, than what we have. Turn it around, it's, upside down. It's upside yeah. down. You don't want to get rid of the, you don't want to get rid of the private sector, but you don't want to let, let private bankers uh, tell your nations, which are the people, what to do. It's you want the nations representing the people telling the private sector bankers what they're allowed to do as far as like giving them a, a certain set of regulations and guidelines like we did in the 50s and 60s and we don't right. do it anymore. Right. You know. Yeah, you know, I mean, the big picture, too, is that humanity is at a crossroads and we have to decide which path we want to take. And there's a lot more of us than them that want to be on this path. But you can't sit silent and, and hope that somebody fixes it. You know, you have to be proactive. And you and I obviously uh, put ourselves out there because knowledge is power in a situation that we're in. And uh, the desperate need to, like we talked about all week, um, on my show was we, we were covering Davos to a certain extent uh, and we were mocking them mostly. But I have to say that the truth is that what we've done in the last, you've been with me for almost three years, is try to empower people to empower themselves. And this is yeah. a worldwide, all hands on deck. You speak to people all over the world. I do too. There are, there are plenty of us. We just have to start acting like it because, you know, 
it's just such a disaster. What it's going on in America, Matt. I know you're you're what you're you're you love America and and you want us to succeed. But watching it from where you are, not that Canada is any better, but at least they're not in your life in in the ways. I feel like I feel like especially I'm sure you saw just before we go what happened in Texas. <laughs> so they're still they perpetuated this myth and they've been teaching it in schools. You know, Obama re rewrote um, a lot of the history books that are taught K through 12 with the Pearson publishing deal and the Macmillan deal and all of that. But um, America is confused and we are not a democracy. We are a constitutional Republic as we've done shows on, cause you've written three books about, <laughs> about it, but um, four. Uh, four books, but from your point of view, and, and your books are great. By the way, we'll tell you all about it in a minute. But if you are watching this and you have not read The Clash of Two Americas and you have children, especially of like high school reading age or college age or grad school age, you need to buy his book series on America. Because right now, what I think, Matt, is that they've brainwashed and, and convinced a bunch of people, uh, a mass amount of people, especially younger people, that democracy and freedom are the same word. And so no, all these yeah. people that think that they're fighting for democracy and they're they're ruining, our, Trump's going to destroy our democracy. They literally mean their democracy, which is mob rule. And we're the mob, which is controlled by the oligarch billionaire elite. But before I let you go, and I, this was very important that we understand what's going on there. What um, are you seeing from there when you see uh, that the Supreme Court basically said states' rights don't trump federal rights? I mean, it, it's it's uh, it's bad. I mean, it, like we have. We have something good on the one hand in Canada that I didn't expect. You know, the, the, the Supreme Court in Canada just came out and ruled that what was done under Christia Freeland's uh, control in confiscating people's bank deposits, violent shutdowns of the trucker convoy, uh, forcing the removal of trucks by commandeering uh, towing agencies, all of that was unconstitutional. That, that was surprising. I didn't think we had that in us, but that was due to a fight waged by people who had been organizing for a couple of years right now with citizens hearings in Ottawa, all, yeah. over, all over Canada, putting a lot of pressure in just the right places. Yeah. Very, very, very interesting organizing. Very strategic that, that, what they did in Canada. And you have a lot fewer people, but um, the people yeah. that were engaged in getting here, they were very committed. We have a yeah. little problem with that, I think, here. That's really good, you know, and so for me, um, there's like a balance. It's it's all about this idea of the context defines the good or the bad of anything. Now, in the case of um, the good part of Canada is if you have a patriot, we, the, the good and the bad. So in Canada, we have provinces that have more power than the federal uh, constitution, technically. So the province has total control over resources, healthcare administration, schools. They can make foreign treaties. Only country in the world where the British Empire organized it such that a province could make a foreign treaty bypassing the capital, the, the federal government. That's wildly interesting. For the most part of our history, that was um, used partially to keep a nation divided and better easy to control because a divided country was more easy to manage by the British Empire than a country that could unify and harmonize and use its power together as a one. Now, at different times, however, it's been a good thing where you get a if you have a death cult that's totally controlling uh, the federal government. Right. Then and if you get a patriot 
who's who's who becomes a, a a power player in like Alberta, all of a sudden they could take that power and and tell Ottawa to go shove it right. and go and and just you know develop, um, maximize their their natural gas potential and and defend their their people's wow. right to bodily autonomy and other things that you wouldn't think in in a most governments would be permitted or they could make a foreign treaty with Russia if they wanted to. Right. They, that's what the previous Alberta government was trying to do with Trump is create a railroad from the United States lower 48 right. through Alberta into Alaska right where Trump was was behind that and helping that process along and Putin was happy to do it China yeah. was happy to do it. they were all it happy been to great. do it it would have been great yeah. and helpful for all the all of both of our nations exactly so as far as the the US case i mean when you to the degree that you have a death cult like if you have a um if you if you're if you're fortunate enough in those rare small moments throughout American history to have somebody who's a real human patriot who actually is a good human being who's fighting the global death cult in London, yeah, it's it's great to have a federal government with strong constitutional power to get things done and to harmonize the nation and to do things. Great. However, sadly, that's rare. So in times where the nation is taking is is, is dominated by the fifth columnists like we've seen with with Bush, Biden, and Obama. Um, all of a sudden you want to have the right, especially to defend yourself using the power of the state right. of the, of the, the local state level. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, I don't know what, what's going on in the details and not a fly in the, on the, the rooms behind the scenes. Yeah, Roberts, none of us are, but I got to tell you, uh, I've never thought that your book was more important than it is right, right now because people don't know they don't know uh, i i read um on my news show like four quotes about democracy from um madison hamilton uh john jay and uh and jefferson oh and ben franklin because i they keep acting like even george uh, source's son was at davos and he's like the democracy uh, the democracy and they're all they all want to save democracies well guess what some really smart people thought democracies weren't the best <laughs> the best means to an end and that they would end up in dictatorships and monarchs. So, you know, the constitutional Republic is on is maybe right now people will learn about what America really is and start taking some pride into uh, what happened here, uh, you know, almost 300 years ago and feel good about it and why it matters because there's too many people in America that are just watching um, the controlled demolition of this nation from within and thinking that it's just a uh, election phase. And you and I both know that is not what's going on here. But mm -hmm. um, you are a big champion for our country and for um, uh, filling in the truth. about. So can you tell everyone, uh, A, where to find you, where to follow you? You're busy. You have shows all over. God, it was so much easier three and a half years ago when I could just call you and you were available. Now I have to, I have to wait in line. But uh, tell everyone where you are, and then please, at the end, uh, tell them where to get your books. The Clash of Two Americas uh, is a four-part series that should be a full class in every <laughs> every college. Uh, so go oh, ahead. Yeah. Thank you, Mel. No, very generous. And I mean, again, you're you're <laughs> you've got you've got the the highest endurance of anybody that I know as far as like just battling consistently every day. I think you did like six six interviews today, uh, Rob said. I did. Um yeah. like you're nonstop. So I mean again, coming from you especially, I really do appreciate that. Thank and you. uh yeah, no, the fight's on it. Well, and and for anybody listening, um, I don't know when the show's gonna go live, but on uh, February 3rd, Saturday, I've got you Mel Kit <laughs> uh scheduled for my show on TNT radio on connecting the dots. Great. Um, so anybody who wants to That's listen fun. to us live, 
uh, Mel's going to just school us on, on saving the nation. Um, 12 o'clock Eastern time, TNT radio dot live. And that's connecting the dots. I do the show between 11 and, and two every week. Um, nice. so people can check that out. Also, the books are easily available on, on Canadian patriot.org. Um, including my new book on science and shackled is sort of a sequel to the, the clash of the two Americas. It's sort of the clash of the two sciences going back from ancient times to the present in terms of the battle over like the paradigm of what is science? How do we define science? Uh, is it something separate from God or something that is tied to understanding and worshiping God is a, as an honorable thing. And there's Great. two different schools. Great. And we got to do it. We're doing a show on that next week. I hope. Hey, yeah, yeah. Awesome. I'd, be, I'd be happy to. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And uh, yeah, so that, that'll be on on um, CanadianPatriot.org. All, all the books are easy to find. And finally, with Cynthia, uh, we, we we organize and we set up the uh, weekly meetings. Every, twice a week, we we do uh, live events on RisingTideFoundation.net. Um, so if people want to get on board or, or uh, participate live in those, yeah, that's just awesome. email at info at RisingTideFoundation.net, and I'll, I'll send you a, a link or get a paid subscription to to my Substack that yeah, gets you great. access as well. Yeah, so. that's awesome, and uh, I'm so proud uh, to be your friend. And uh, and we've we've been through a lot together. God, every time I see you, I feel like, oh my God, can you believe what's going? <laughs> but uh, thank you uh, for everything. Thank you course. and uh, Cynthia are really important to me, and I'm very grateful that you were here. And I'll see you. I'll see you soon at your show. All right. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. Everyone's been asking me what I've been doing because I am in better shape than I've been uh, probably maybe in my life and I am now thriving and I have so much energy. I'm going around, I'm doing all these tours and I'm doing the show and I'm showing up at small events and big events and I'll tell you the one thing that's definitely changed my life is superfoods. Mel Cake Superfoods. When I got involved with superfoods in the beginning, I was not eating right. I was not sleeping right. I was not, uh, it was mid-COVID so I wasn't really doing much and I was doing a lot of things wrong and then I found superfoods and it has changed me from the inside out. Not only have I dropped weight, which wasn't even the goal, I really wanted to detox, I wanted to help my immune system, I wanted to make sure I didn't get sick while a lot of other people were and superfoods came into my life and changed everything. I now think about what I'm eating, I don't have cravings, I don't eat late night. There's a whole protocol, it's so easy, it's laid out for you, you take it out of the box, it's there. All your food's taken care of, all your nutrients, all your energy, all your protein. It is an amazing way to change your life from the inside out. Superfoods changes everything. It gives you a protocol, it gives you a schedule. You know what to do, you know what you're eating, you feel great, you look great, your life's getting better. And the one thing I know is you can go to themelkshow.com, go down to Superfoods and you can start your journey. Because today is the day. I will tell you, I waited and I waited and then I started Superfoods and within three months, my entire life changed uh, for the better, more than I could have imagined. MelKShow.com, go to partners page down to Superfoods and click on the link and you will find a whole new world that will change your mind, change your body, change your life. So when you get Superfoods, that helps me and helps this show keep going. I cannot tell you how much it's changed my life for the better, and it will yours too. And enjoy the rest of the show. Mel K Superfoods. Get over there now. There's no time like the present. Hi, guys. You know, for months and months, me and Mike Al have been talking about the water supply. What is in there? There are pharmaceuticals in the water supply. There are all these chemicals, lots of pollution. We've had all these natural disasters that leave our water not nearly as clean and certainly not as God intended. We know how important water is for our health. So we have been on a mission to try to find the best alternative to the water that is out there, including bottled water, which 
of course, we did a whole show on everything that's in bottled water, which is almost as shocking as what's in our natural water now. So we found the best partner we could in Healthy Hydrogen. Uh, this is a portable bottle that I use all the time, but also there are many options over there. You can get a house, a full house system. You can get a tabletop system. You can get uh, for your shower, for your office and business. They have so many great options. If you go to themelkeshow.com, we have partnered with them. So it's on our partners page, Healthy Hydrogen. I am telling you right now, the difference in this water and what it will do to your health in general is incredible. Uh, if you have inflammation, your immune system has problems, anything that you are thinking you don't know the solution for, this could be the game changer. We've been looking for the missing piece and I believe the missing piece is the water. We are so excited. They have so much science backing all of their products. They have been tested by all different groups out there that do this for a living and look at water really in depth. We have the hydrogen aspect, which is true really fascinating. Nothing is more important than water. We all know that. So make sure you're putting the best water in your body. And I assure you, this is a true, true game changer that you will see right away and will improve your health and your family's health going forward. Go check out the Mel K Show Partners page, Healthy Hydrogen, and get your health back from the inside out, starting with God's great water. We will see you soon. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of the show.